Psalm 72. A psalm for Solomon. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy power with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also and him that hath no helper. He shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence and precious shall their blood be in his sight. And he shall live, and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. There shall be an handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Amen. We know that God will add his own blessing to the reading of his infallible word. Just for a few moments before we come to pray, I would like us to think upon this phrase in the verse 15. Prayer also shall be made for him continually. Prayer also shall be made for him continually. Let's think first of all about the meaning of this prayer. We know that this psalm was written for Solomon. Uh, David probably wrote the psalm for his son. So it was a prayer that David was offering for his son. However, it is apparent that as we read through this psalm, that as the Lord himself said, a greater than Solomon is here. It's not just Solomon that is in view, but there's someone else. Because whenever we come to the end of the psalm, and you see the verse 17, his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. And that evidently is not Solomon. Because we can't really say that all nations are blessed in Solomon. The only way by which all nations are blessed in Solomon is through the one who sprang from Solomon's lineage, who is Christ. So therefore, the one that we have in view here is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that immediately begs the question, 
why should we pray for Jesus Christ? Prayers shall be made for him continually. Well, it is not that we're praying for Christ in the sense that we pray for one another because he does not have needs as we have needs. But we must remember that we are the body of Christ. The church is his body. So we are part of Christ. So we pray for Christ in the sense that we pray for the church of Christ. We pray for the people of God. We pray for the going forth of the gospel in the world. For that is for Christ's honor. That is how we pray for Christ. And of course, this psalm is all about the king. Christ is the king. So when we pray for the king, we pray for his kingdom. We pray for his domain. And we learn about this kingdom here that Christ presides over. It is a righteous kingdom. In the verses 1 and 2, we read about that. His righteousness. It's an endless kingdom. Verses 5 through to 7. They that fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. In his days, verse 7, shall the righteous flourish. An abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. As long as there is a world, there will be Christ's kingdom. And beyond that still, that's not the kingdom of men. It is a universal kingdom. Verse 8 says, he shall have dominion from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. And that is Christ's kingdom. Stretches from north to south and from east to west throughout all the continents. It's a compassionate kingdom. Verse 12, he delivers the needy when he crieth. He helps the poor. He spares the poor and needy. He saves the souls of the needy. The compassionate nature of our Savior within his kingdom. And it is a prosperous kingdom. The verses 15 through to 17 talks about that. Particularly verse 16. There shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. We were looking at pictures of Madagascar. It's not like Ireland. It's brow and green grass there's not much of it and the cattle are out there grazing in brown fields and Israel's like that it, it's, it's a brown landscape there isn't the rainfall that we have and yet there's a promise here a promise that David was claiming for Solomon there shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains and what that means is this a handful of corn seed will produce a crop on the top of the mountains. And of course, the tops of mountains aren't known to be fertile places. But such would be the prosperity of this kingdom that the crops would grow all the way up the mountains. And you can see the mountain being terraced. You can see the corn waving in the wind. Prosperity. But of course... It's not talking about a literal material prosperity. It's talking about the prosperity of the gospel. Places where people reject the gospel. Places where people turn away from the word of God. Spiritually barren lands. The gospel growing. The seed of the gospel bringing forth fruit. And then look at verse 16 again. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon. And there you have a picture of the mighty cedars of Lebanon. Lebanon was famed for its trees, the winds blowing and the great trees are waving in the wind. 
And such would be the amount of corn that would be growing up the sides of those mountains, right to the top of the mountains, that you can see the corn waving in the wind. Such is the, the plentifulness of the harvest. They of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth as a, as a picture of abundance. The abundance of the gospel, the glory of the gospel. And that's the meaning of this prayer. We pray for Christ. We pray for the gospel. We pray for the kingdom. We pray for the church. We claim these promises. The need for this prayer. Why should we pray for Christ in this sense? Well, did the Lord not tell us we're to pray that the church would be well resourced? And we're not talking here about material resources in the sense of practical things. We're praying for the most practical resource of all people. The fields are white, ready on the harvest. There's the harvest waiting. And a harvest that's white is about to be lost. It's just there at its optimum moment. But if there's no laborers, the harvest is lost. So pray for the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field. The resources. You know, we think of the numbers of young people that we have, but then you begin to think of the numbers of young people across our churches and further afield. That come home to me on Sunday night in Cookstown. One of the men from Cookstown counted the numbers of young people. There's 370 young people there. The place was absolutely packed full and squeezed into the pews, extra seats. You look at all those young faces and you think of the potential for the gospel. Each one of them went out to serve God with their all. What a harvest there would be in this country. So yes, there's a big need for this prayer. We need to pray that the word would go forth. Paul talked about the word having free course. So often the word goes forth and we feel that it's not doing much. And yet the promise is that my word will not return unto me void. We've got to pray that the word would have free course. We need to pray that the word would be effective as it is presented. There's a big need for this prayer. We think of the parable of the sower and how seed fell in the wayside and seed fell among the thorns and seed fell among the stones and, and yet there was the seed that fell upon good ground and we've got to pray for good ground for the seed, prepared ground, ground that will embrace the seed. We need to pray that Christ's kingdom would increase. There's a need for that in the world. Look at verse 17. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. You know, we're not at that stage today yet. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen all nations of the world calling Christ blessed. It has not happened. And yet, is there not a promise here that it will happen? I believe with all my heart that there is a promise here. That it will happen. That all nations shall call him blessed. We have been commemorating the Protestant Reformation. The Protestant Reformation only affected Europe. But yet from Europe 
that word went out into other continents and other nations. That's true. But it was principally a work that God did in Europe. But the eastern part of nominal Christianity was not affected. The, the Orthodox churches to the east, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, they've never had a reformation. Never had a work the like of which we've had in Western Europe. It hasn't happened. And so you think of that, and you think of this great promise, and you think of the need to pray that all nations would call him blessed. And then we have the, the burden of this prayer. What is the, the burden of this prayer? Well, it's very simple. Christ's interests should be our interests. And Christ's cause should be our cause. Because after all, he is our saviour. And what he is concerned about should concern us. And as far as Christ is concerned, he's building his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The cause of the gospel will go forward in the world. That's what he's praying for at the right hand of his father. That's what we need to pray for as well. We need to enter into the heart of Christ for the world. And there has been a focus upon Madagascar tonight. And you think of that land and all the other lands and all the other nations. Nations that don't have the gospel. Nations that have had the gospel and have turned away from it. Nations that are slipping into darkness like our nation. You think of the, the great needs, the billions that there are in the world. You think of Christ praying at the right hand of the Father for his elect people. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And yes, we should be burdened as Christ is burdened. For wasn't he burdened for us? And then we have the praising in this prayer. There's reference to, to praise here, isn't there? You, you have it here in this verse 15 where our text is. Prayer also shall be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. So whenever we pray this prayer for Christ, we pray it with faith, because Christ is not a failure, and therefore his kingdom is not a failure. And as we pray with faith, we pray with praise, because Christ has given his life for us. He presides as king over the church, his church has been founded with the precious blood that he shed. And therefore we give ourselves for this kingdom with praise and with gratitude. And we pray for Christ's kingdom. And we are committed to Christ's kingdom with gratitude because of what he has given for us. And there should be praise. But finally, there should be sincerity as well. The sincerity of this prayer. Prayer also shall be made for him continually. You know, there's a difference between saying prayers and praying. We know that. It's one thing to produce words, but it's quite another thing to have a prayer that comes from the heart. And the prayer that comes from the heart is a sincere prayer, and that is the prayer that God acknowledges. But those that pray sincerely, they put legs to their prayers. They live the prayer out in their lives. 
So we're praying for Christ, praying for his kingdom, praying for his church, praying for the gospel. If we're doing that, then we're going to be living that out. We're going to be faithful representatives for Christ. We're going to want to share that message with others. We want to share with others. Why we pray for a soul and yet have no desire to share the gospel with that soul. Not seek opportunities to win that soul for Christ. Two things don't add up. And so where there's the prayer, there's the sincerity. There's the life that lives out that prayer. We pray for missionaries, but do we support those missionaries? We pray for revival, but do we endeavor to be in that place where God will revive us? The sincerity of the prayer. May God deliver us from insincere prayers and forgive us when prayers have been offered in without sincerity. But there's just one other thing about this, and it's not so much for us. It's, it's what we have promised there's the hearing of the prayer. A prayer that's offered for Christ and for his church and for his kingdom is not a prayer that's offered in vain. It's a prayer that is offered in accordance to the will of God. This is what we're being taught to pray. The prayer also shall be made for him continually, for the increase of his kingdom, for the glory of his name in the world, for the salvation of souls, for the adding to the church. Such as should be saved. For ministers of the gospel, they would be endued with power. For evangelists, that they would preach the gospel mightily, that unction would be given to them. We think of this gospel mission. Prayers that are offered for God's glory for this mission. We have to believe that God will work. Because God hears the prayer. And such prayers are not offered in vain. And so may the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts tonight. And as we come to pray, let us pray for Christ's kingdom, for Christ's church. And let's pray that all nations would call him blessed. And let's pray that his name would be blessed in our own little community during this time of evangelism.